Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Turnbuckle Training. Introducing first your longtime fan, short time podcaster, and former fantasy wrestling hardcore champion, Peyton the Patriarchy Smasher Green. And his tag team partner, making his debut in the wacky world of fighting fools, Zach the Glass Ceiling Dismantler, Barlow! Nice, nice, nice. Yes, this is a show. Yeah, I was a little... I was a little worried. I just came up with that one on the spot. It was a good one. I came up with mine on the spot, too. Thanks. Wow, you also did really good. I'm really glad that we can pat ourselves on the back as two men that did a great job representing women here. Yes, yes. This show is going to be so women-y. Whew. <laughs> just, just, just fucking strap yourselves in. This is a show for longtime wrestling fans and rookies alike. We're going to take you through some of the biggest shows, matches, and rivalries in wrestling history, or at least the ones I could talk about for a little while. And if you know nothing about wrestling, don't worry, because as you'll soon find out, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't either. So, Peyton, what are we going to be talking about today? Hey, ladies, if your man want to get buck wild, we're going to be talking about Women's wrestling, which we're kind of in really a good period. We're like right in the middle of history as far as women's wrestling goes. We're right in the middle of this women's revolution. It started about a couple years ago, probably around 2015. I guess it's more than a couple of years ago now. But women's wrestling has had kind of a long evolution. You know, originally women were just like, ring girls and then they became like a little sideshow like hey all right we're gonna take a break and we're gonna have the girls wrestle and then right after that we're gonna have the little people wrestle so it was kind of treated like that for a long time eventually we started getting some more talented women um still for a long time they weren't used right when i was growing up they were divas um and even, like, the the women who were the actual good wrestlers and really talented were still having bra and panties matches and mud wrestling and pillow fights and stuff like that. So, yeah, I didn't even grow up in a time of good women's wrestling. Can I say on that note? Things are going to be worse before they get better. The first part of this episode is going to be real painful, guys. It is. There's some good wrestling involved, but it's kind of overshadowed by a lot of nonsense. Um, Oh, yeah. Which is how it was for a long time. You know, women weren't treated seriously. And now women are basically, they have, and thanks in part and a lot, thanks a lot in part to other promotions. There are some promotions out there like, shimmer that are just they're just like women's wrestling um promotions but a lot of companies started treating their women a little bit better and the wwe took notice and they started trying to be more progressive and they had this whole women's revolution they had a lot of really talented women on their roster and now you know there's a women's royal rumble there are pay-per-views that are just for women there's uh you know the women's 
title is treated just like the, you know, well, not just like, but a lot more like the uh, the World Heavyweight Champion for the men. And they're treated like just their own division that's on par with the with the men. Um, well, and that's one thing I was going to say is that I still don't think that we're fully there, right? We've, we've made massive strides. But, and you're saying that, and, and you maybe, haven't even seen some of the worst stuff. You haven't. I, I didn't think it was worth showing you bra and panty matches and pillow fights and, and stuff like that. Yeah, no, you were right to filter out a lot of the garbage, and I'm very glad you did. But even just from our other viewing, um, I have a good idea of how rough it was. But we've we've made it a long way. But I still think that, like, and I want to talk about this later in the show, you know, when we get there. Uh, sort of where women's wrestling can go from here, because I have, you know, I, I have aspirations uh, to s- I, things I would like to see. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I actually, I, I do want to talk about, I just recently went to a wrestling show. The first time I'd been to see wrestling live in 11 years, I went and saw a Ring of Honor show in, in my hometown, and it was really great. But the best match on the whole card was the women's match, and I think a lot of people were making that same argument because they're just really good. They're hiring women who can go just as good as the men can. Um, Honestly, I think that this has been some of my favorite wrestling that we have ever watched. I think so, too. And I think, especially in the modern era, like, I really like this women's wrestling more than I like anything we've seen from this time period. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's go ahead and, and hop on into it. Uh, we start with our first match. We're going to take you back in time a little bit to SummerSlam 1994. The women's title is on the line. Uh, Alundra Blaze is the, is the women's champion at this point. Um, going back even further, the women's, the women's title has been around for a long time. The original champion was the fabulous Moolah. And the thing with women's wrestling is there weren't really a lot of women to wrestle, so the title didn't change hands that much. Um, this title reign is a little bit fudged, but the original women's champion in the WW, even back then it was the WWWF, uh, the fabulous Moolah, let me see how long she, her, in kayfabe, how long her title reign was. So the fabulous Moolah's title reign is billed at being 28 years. Um, there, there were some unrecognized reigns in the middle of that, but according to WWE, their first champion held the title for 28 years because there just weren't very many women's challengers, and they didn't really have matches that often. What, what are those years, by the way? When does that start? When does it end? Um... 1956 to whatever 28 years after that is. Fuck, man. That is a long-ass time to not have any women competing. Or, I mean, I guess maybe to have them competing, but so rarely that the title never changes hands. Yeah, well, it's just that, like, I assume she would just show up and it would be like, oh, yeah, by the way, she's the women's champion. Ah, and, that makes and sense. Because th- th- she wouldn't wrestle that often. Um, and even once we get into 1994, we don't really have much of a women's division. Alundra Blaze is the champion for a while, and they eventually stop really promoting her as the champion because they just can't, they can't fill up, you know, they can't have matches that often because there just aren't enough 
competitors. Uh, yeah. And so I will say just from an aerial view of this match before we get into the specifics, it definitely does seem, I mean, I get that feeling by watching it, that like this is not something that happens very often, and this is not something that the crowd is incredibly hyped for. What I will say is that this match is less problematic than some of the ones we're going to get into. Oh, for sure, because this is, this is before the Attitude Era, so this is like kind of still like a very cartoonish wrestling era. Um, again, it's treated kind of like a sideshow. They have this weird thing where the like little girls bring them flowers, um, and yeah, it's just it's kind of treated as like a bathroom break on the show. <laughs> yeah, which is a real shame. Um, obviously, but we have Alundra Blaze, who's a pretty pretty good and prominent uh, women's wrestler uh, in the Hall of Fame. Against Bull Nakano, who's uh, pretty much forgotten um, Japanese wrestler, billed from the land of the rising sun. Uh, so we have yeah. like a USA versus Japan kind of thing going on here. I got a question here, because I know that wrestling is something that is actually big in Japan. And if Bull Nakano is actually from Japanese wrestling and came to American wrestling and just does this, then I guess that's cool. But I feel like if not, this is a very problematic character. Um, I no, I think she really does. She re- she really is from Japan. It's uh, the easiest way to get over, especially as a heel, is to be like, "I'm from somewhere else." Yeah, because the crowd even starts doing like a USA chant in there. Uh, and that's what I was saying is, like, if she was actually a Japanese wrestler for real that wrestled in Japan and just was like, you know, how we sort of exchange wrestlers from time to time, then I'm going to say that this whole, like, um, this whole focus on her ethnicity and this costume and everything is cool. But if she was just a Japanese person that Vince McMahon was like, let's make her look weird... That, I'm going to say, is not cool. No, she started out wrestling in Japan. Although it is still, they are still, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Exploiting, maybe? Exploiting her Japanese heritage. Um, She is a former women's champion. I I think she traded it with Alundra Blaze a few times. Really just to kind of... Have Alundra, this is really Alundra's only opponent. Um, uh, we do have some good wrestling here, though. It's a pretty short match, but, uh, but I mean, we do start off pretty strong. Alundra Blaze shows off her athleticism with some drop kicks. Bull Nakano shows off her power by tossing her all around. Um, uh, Bull Nakano is accompanied by Luna Vachon, who's another women's wrestler from the time, uh, who... I guess she uh, tried to wrestle for the title and lost, so she's, like, trying to get Alundra to lose the title by any means necessary. Um, I, I do think it's funny, Alundra Blaze attempts a pile driver at one point, and Jerry Lawler's like, she's gonna break her hair! Um, the commentators yeah. aren't really taking the match very seriously. No, they're not, and they can't stop talking about Nakano's weight either, which, I mean, is a thing that happens with male wrestlers, but I feel like it was framed a little differently here. Yeah, there is a really big problem with with women wrestlers who were even, 
don't even have to be overweight in any sense of the word. Mickey James, who we see later, they did a gimmick with her and called her Piggy James because she's so fat. Oh my god! But That's she's disgusting. like a very like extremely petite. Yeah, woman. I know. Like she's not like it's. It doesn't even work because she's not. She's not even big. It's weird. Uh, uh, oh, I will say though something that I noticed from this match that I think is a through line in women's wrestling that we see come out here is that it is more like hold based, more submission hold based. Um. And it's a lot of sort of, like, work on the mat, sort of like Kurt Angle-style stuff. You know, I, I don't know if I've ever really noticed that before, but I think you might have a point there. Uh, I'm, I'm not really sure what that is unless it's just, like, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just and, – and I will say a lot of these wrestlers are more – seem to be more, like, classically trained – wrestlers which is a shame you know when they're treated more for how they look than their actual wrestling acumen absolutely um luna tries to get involved in this match uh alundra drops drop kicks her off the apron and then hits bull nakano with a german suplex for the win i said it was a it was a pretty good match for women's wrestling in the 90s um, yeah and the, you know it's a shame that it was that it is a shame that all of these matches that we're going to get to up until sort of the women's revolution period are so short. Um, they don't really get a lot of billing here on the show, and it was some really good wrestling that if they had more time, they probably could have done a lot more with. Oh, sure. But again, it's treated as like a, like a pacer or filler to get to the, the bigger matches. Uh, I right. gave it a two and a half out of five stars. Not really anything crazy, but we do get to see how things were before they became divas. Right, right. And I was surprised because I thought that we were sort of on a constant upward trajectory when it came to the treatment of women in wrestling. And that is not true. It it starts out bad, it gets much worse, and then it starts to get better. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think now is when we're going to be more on our on our upward climb. Because uh, this is a very strange one, No Mercy 1999. I put it in here because I thought it was interesting and kind of a history-making. All of these from here on out kind of have some sort of history going along with them. Um, but this one is is China challenging Jeff Jarrett for the Intercontinental title. I, you know, I mentioned on our last episode about how China would often wrestle men's wrestlers, and she doesn't even win a women's championship till much later in her career. Um, we see a, uh, on the pre-match promo, China is trying to become the first woman to ever win the Intercontinental Championship. We're right in the middle of the Attitude Era. This is No Mercy 1999, and you could kind of see the Attitude Era influences here. Uh, but Jarrett says he's going to show China a woman's place by challenging her to a good housekeeping match where the weapons are household objects. And we just see this yeah. montage of him abusing women and, like, beating up other women. <laughs> and so uh, if we can just take a dive into, you know, what is going to become a staple of this podcast, the problematic corner. So I get, like, we understand that Jeff Jarrett's a heel, right? Yes. Sure. And he's doing heel things, but when he's advocating for beating women, even as a heel— you have to understand that there are people at home that are rooting for that. There are people that root for heels, 
And so, like, your heels can do fucked up things, but just like, just like trying to have a match for the custody of a child and almost beating the child, it gets to be a little too fucked up when it comes to beating women with household objects. You crossed a line. Yeah. Also uh, involved in this match is Miss Kitty, who comes out with Jeff Jarrett. Um, we hear Jerry Lawler start going, here, kitty, kitty, at her. I want to tell you something that was not mentioned, and you probably don't know. Miss Kitty is Jerry Lawler's future wife. Oh, my God. Uh, well, his future wife and also his future ex-wife. Yeah, oh, I have no idea why that could be. Yeah, Uh, Miss Kitty got fired from the WWE because... She was just had an attitude backstage, from what I hear. And Jerry Lawler walked out of the company with her, and then they got a divorce, and he came back. He was like, "Well, no reason to oh, wow. stay out of the job now." And you know, we should say "quote unquote" attitude because she was probably pissed off with like very good reason. Yeah, I, I don't know the whole story behind it. Um, I just whenever the WWE is like this woman or this minority had an attitude with the company, I usually just assume that they were that like Vince McMahon is in the wrong. That might be a good assumption to make. Um, you know, just like we talked about with China um, oh, for and sure. the tragedy there. Well, Jeff Jarrett comes out carrying the kitchen sink. Get it? Because he's going to throw everything at her, and the, including the kitchen sink. Yeah, wow. China comes out. She's got a broom and a trash can. Um, and from the commentary team, I didn't. Even, I don't think China knows how to sweep. Get it? Because she's a bad woman. It's just. Oh my god! It's unbearable. This match becomes unbearable. On the outside, uh, they start using some very interesting weapons, like a frying pan, a toilet seat, and even a banana. Uh, yeah, so, like, the uh, the items are either household items or phallic, and um, get it because because penises. You know, I didn't quite catch on to that. Yeah, well, you got Because there's also, like, the, a sausage in there, too. Yeah, the salami, and then also the fish because vaginas. Man, you are picking up on some stuff that I just missed out on. Uh, I, I guarantee you it's there because there's a commentary line with the fish that he's like, it smells like fish in here. <laughs> and then, oh, can, uh, or, yeah. Man, I just, yeah. I kind of, I want to speed through this now. <laughs> yeah, it gets gross, man. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Jarrett and, 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 uh, and Miss Kitty start baking a cake and, and, uh, or that's what it appears to be to me. Um, Jeff gets some some flour out, but it gets knocked back into his face. Pocket sand. Pocket sand. <laughs> I was thinking every time that happens, I always think pocket sand. Uh, China dumps dumps this raw egg mixture on the kitty's head in the ring. Um, eventually. Uh, China uses some tongs onto Jeff Jarrett's balls. Um, I will say I enjoyed this spot. This is the one shining moment from this match. And I know that it's being like, ha ha, penises and balls. But just like, I don't know, it was it was somewhat cathartic to me. Yeah. Um, 
Kitty hands Jeff Jarrett the belt, and he hits China with it. He covers, and he wins. And Jarrett starts walking out, but the ref stops and restarts the match because the title is not a household item. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, it was... It was rough there, but I will say I was pissed off. Like a TLC match, if someone used like a like a like a like like the stairs, like the stairs, and be like, "Oh, that's not a T, an L, or a C." (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I will say though, like, and I guess to some end, they did sort of accomplish what they were going for because when Jeff Jarrett originally quote unquote won, I was like. Yo, what the fuck? I was pissed off. I was like, this is awful. Yeah. Um. So, like, I mean, I guess they did. They did sort of get me on that one. I'll have to give it to and them And China there. used his own weapon against him and hit him in the head with a guitar to win. This was quite an interesting way to make history because China becomes the first woman to hold the Intercontinental title. So, yeah. I mean, and it was entertaining in, in some form or fashion. Yeah, the thing is, is like, let me just briefly say in a couple of words how this could have been elevated and fixed. If this was a hardcore match, this would have been a really good hardcore match. Yeah, but, but it's the fact that the they're fact like, that it's it's a hardcore match, but for ladies. Exactly. That's what really pissed me off about it. Is like. If you would just let China have a hardcore match with this dude and done most of the same spots other than maybe some of the penis jokes and the vagina jokes and the, you know, the baking a cake, like, leave that shit out, this would have been a fantastic match that would not have left such a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. I'm with you there. I gave it a one and a half out of five. I think that's fair. No fault of China's, of course. A lot of faults. Of the WWE, well, it's good because we're we'll, we'll, we're gonna only go up from here. We go to Raw. Oh, I don't know about that, my friend. Okay, are you talking? About, well, this match is pretty good. This Raw match. Yeah, no, the, I'm talking about the. Uh, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. So this is Raw from December of 2004. Um, I, this is a time I really remember. I remember watching this match live. Um, and. The WWE tried to kind of do somewhat of a precursor to the women's revolution where they actually got good women's wrestlers there. They just weren't quite booked so well. So we have Lita and Trish Stratus who are, you know, two women who would be on the Mount Rushmore of women's wrestlers. Unfortunately, if it would be amazing to see what they would do now, um, they're actually best friends in real life. They inducted each other into the Hall of Fame. Um, but they had one of the greatest rivalries in women's wrestling history. Um, both playing either side of it. Because I've, I've seen the rivalry with Lita as the face and Trish as the heel, and I've seen Trish as the face and Lita as the heel. And that's when you know a rivalry is really good, and when it's like just as good when they're on either side of the spectrum. Right, when you can flip it around and have a lot of fun with the story of it and just, I, I think really having it, like you were saying, come at it from different angles and it still be a good match and have them be able to play those characters. It just speaks to the caliber of wrestler that these two women are. So this is for the Women's Championship, uh, and this is actually another history-making 
event because this is the first time two women had ever main evented Raw or any WWE show before. Um, backstage, before the match, Trish is stretching and Lita comes up. Trish calls. Oh, she's stretching butt. Oh yeah, there's there are two guys, guys looking, at, looking her butt. at her at her at her at her booty. Um, uh, because from moment one, from the first fucking second, these these women are on camera. We immediately have to be like, oh, it's horny. Yeah, we have to have some sexualization. Um, and then. When Lita comes up, Trish calls her the walking kiss of death. So Lita gives her the kiss of death and kisses her right on the mouth and takes off. Uh, Get it? Because lesbians are hot, even if they're not actually lesbians. I was going to say, this is like a running thing that I kind of want to talk about this episode. And it's like things and the way that they're presented, right? Like, if two women kissed on... Uh, a WWE show in a different way, that would be awesome. You know, like, representative and all of that. When you make two women kiss in this context, it's very bad because it is directed at male audiences and being like, ha ha hot. Well, it's not the worst female on it's female not the worst kiss thing that happens. <laughs> it's not the worst thing that happens. So we come back out live. Trish comes... Out wearing a face mask because uh, Lita had kayfabe broken her nose um, at at Survivor Series that year. Uh, Lita comes out. She's wrestling in her hometown of North Carolina tonight, so the crowd is really hot for her. Um, we start off with some really quick back and forth. Trish does like a Matrix-like back handspring thing to duck out of a clothesline. Um, Lita backdrops Trish over the top rope, and then Lita comes out for a suicide dive on top of Trish, and she has this sick landing where she lands on top of her own head, and her legs, like, touch the back of her own head. She gets folded up so hard. Yeah, that was crazy. I'm impressed because Lita has a well-documented neck problem. She had a neck injury uh, in our ladder match episode. We saw her backstage wearing a neck brace. So it's amazing she didn't hurt herself at all. <laughs> yeah, that is, um, I mean, why would you even try that move if you have a neck injury? But uh, it's cool that she pulled it off. Yeah. Um, really, on the, I mean, that suicide dive was almost like took on a very literal meaning. Right, right. Um, Trish takes off the nose guard and gets back into the ring. They start trading holds, uh, kind of like you mentioned, a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, very mat-based, you know, technical-based wrestling from, from women. Um, Lita gets a big superplex from the top rope for a two-count. Trish hits a chick kick for two. Um, Lita gets a big powerbomb out of the corner. And Lita climbs up the ropes, but Trish cuts her off, and Lita reverses into a crazy pin attempt that Trish get, kicks out of. Lita attempts a DDT, but Trish grabs on the on to the ropes, and Lita just kind of smacks onto the mat pretty hard. Um, Trish then attempts to hit the Stratisfaction, but Lita reverses and hits an inverted twist of fate, and it comes off the top rope with a big moonsault and pins Trish for the win. Disappointed at how quick this match was. That was really the only bad thing about the match was that it was too short. Right, which, of course, you know, they can't... uh... 
have any influence over how long their match goes. But that fucking moonsault was dope, dude. Uh, like there were so many cool fucking spots in this match. I was I was very impressed with the with the wrestling ability. Yeah, here. I I may be completely making this up, but you know this was on TV, so they have like a specific time they have to be done. So I almost felt like maybe something earlier in the show went over and they were trying to make up for it because for a women's main event, this one went pretty quick. And I don't know if you noticed, like it was almost as soon as the match was over, they went off the air. Yeah, yeah, it went out pretty fast. Um, so I almost wonder if, if something earlier in the show went over and made them rush it. Not to say that like they weren't cheated on their time, but it, it, it felt rushed the whole way through. Because I, 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 this is a match that always gets talked about for the history that it made, and then I was kind of surprised to go back and watch it and see how short that, short it was. You know, though, I'll say, like, there is some really solid intensity in this match as far as pacing and all of that goes. Like, you're right, it does feel a little bit rushed, but the fact that they move from spot to spot so fast, it's really entertaining, and I feel like it is very indicative of the ruthless aggression style. And both women, I believe, say that this is their um, one of their favorite matches of all time. Um, and they go on to have... A lot of good matches with each other. Um, Trish uh, had her final match in the company. Well, she came back for a few one-offs, but her retirement match she had against Lita. So, you know, really a lot of history between these two. We're going to go... Oh, I, I, I gave this match a three and a half out of five. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. I liked it. Um... I, and there was, I mean, there were some problems in the pre-show part, but there was, it was mostly fine. Yeah. We're going to move on to our next um, match, WrestleMania 22, 2006, two years later. Uh, Trish is now the heel. I mean, sorry, Trish is now the face. Uh, she's the women's champion again. Um, I believe she won it back from Lita and had hold, held the title for like almost a year because we got to another point where there weren't a lot of viable wrestlers um oh can we talk about trish just real quick sure trish here in both of these matches gets to be kind of a badass right she's she's pretty cool i would say Uh, would you agree with that definitely um this is a huge departure you might remember we've seen trish before we've talked about trish before um when (laughs) She was a uh, fucking Vince McMahon. That's true. As a part of the story, and, and then he made her bark like a dog. So, like Trish, has come herself a long way towards being respected. I think. Oh, for sure. So not fully. She still has to do a lot of a lot of bullshit, but better than it was. Maybe it's it's a true like you know success story in wrestling to go from that to barking like a dog to being one of the most, if not the most, respected women's wrestler of all time. Um, that's, you know, very impressive. Good good point. Uh, we're going to get a little more of Trish here at WrestleMania 22, two years later, 2006. So, like I mentioned, not a lot of viable candidates until Mickey James comes along. And now, Mickey James is another wrestler who's very well respected um, because she is a good wrestler. Uh, we we have to kind of separate her as a wrestler from this gimmick she's given. Now, oh, absolutely. I will say, this gimmick got her over 
like crazy, and you can tell from this match. So, is this gimmick problematic? Yes. Was it successful? I believe also yes. Well, that's the thing, is that this is a time in wrestling when though you can really only be successful with a very problematic gimmick. Uh, or maybe not only that way, but it's the crowd is problematic. Well, everything every women's going on rivalry is, problematic. Has, is is based around sex at this time. I could not tell you one that wasn't did not have some sort of sexual overtone to it, or like where they. I mean, when Lita had her last match, uh, whereas Trish got to go out with a win and like everyone cheering, Lita loses and then had a couple guys raid her locker room and start auctioning off like her panties and her vibrator and like her like yeast infection medicine because haha women's bodies are gross. Oh my fucking god, that is miserable. That is egregious. But yeah, um this this whole setup here, the WWE at this time, I mean it per, it's pervasive, right? It's from the management to the crowd problematic. And so, of course, the crowd's going to pop for really shitty bits. Now, I will say, it's weird. This match is weird because this match is actually kind of edited. It was edited. I saw the original one because I watched this live, but every replay of it, every DVD of it, everything has been edited, and it's like this on the network. Believe it or not, like Vince McMahon loves all this sex stuff, but at one point, there is a point in the match where it apparently went too far for him, and he has it cut out. I will get to it later, and I'll kind of see if you can tell where it is. Considering that there is one big thing in this match that is not cut out, I am horrified to think of what is. We'll get to it in just a minute. So the pre-match promo shows Mickie James' introduction to the WWE. She's Trish Stratus's biggest fan. She dresses like her. She mimics her moves. So she's like this psychotic person who's just obsessed with Trish. And they decide, you know what? Like, let's not make her just obsessed with her. Let's make her be in love with her. She, like, forces herself on her and kisses her. She, like, puts her face in her crotch before she turns on her and kicks her in the head. It's very strange. It's the classic crazy psycho girl trope, which is very bad. Um, and you see it everywhere. And, you know, you might be out there listening saying, well, they would do the same thing with a man. They, they've got plenty of, you know, crazy men. You know, uh, just look at Mick Foley with uh, Mankind, for example. Like, he's crazy. But he's not going around just, like, randomly making out with people. You know? It's, it's not the same. And how do you know that? He gets to be badass crazy, whereas here, uh, Mickey is expected to be a different kind of specifically female uh, psychosis kind of a thing. And it's, it's really fucking gross. They keep talking about that. Like, JR says, this woman is a dangerous psychopath. Um, King says something even worse. He said, I'd gladly give up celibacy for her. Yeah. King what, just which, says, I want to fuck her. Yeah. Yeah. Just comes right out and says it. Uh, I, wait, I did not notice that. 
Well, I'm saying when he says, I would gladly give up Oh, oh, yeah, her. yeah, yeah. I mean, gotcha. I, okay. okay, I guess he's not actually saying, I would fuck her, but that's what that sentence no, means. No, he absolutely is saying that with that statement. I just thought that maybe something much bigger happened and I missed it. No. But, no. Um, another. You're right, he, he is. Another line that kind of sums up this whole storyline is he says, at one time, Mark Chapman was a huge John Lennon fan. Yeah, like... Weird to just, I don't know, that was just weird to me. That was a weird comparison, I guess. The wrestling here is pretty good, and it's, there's, the crowd is very strange here. Because as I mentioned, Mickey's the heel, Trish is the face, but the crowd is booing Trish and cheering for Mickey. It's very strange. JR actually tries to explain it. He's like, the crowd is defiant. They're just trying to be themselves. Um, It almost takes away from the match a little bit. It almost gets distracting. It absolutely does. And if you notice that they're sort of making them play into this because, like, they're doing a lot of screaming and not, like, in, like, the athletic way. Like, you know, they're fucking Serena Williams out there on the tennis court. They're making them do, like, like orgasm screams while they wrestle, and that just is also very bad. And it's all for this crowd attention. Yeah, oh, they really, really fucking do. And, like, slaps and hair-pulling are big here. And it's just not good. Trish uh, misses a chick kick on the outside and kicks the ring post instead, so Mickey starts really working her leg. Um, Trish is able to get the advantage after a while with a -a tilt-a-whirl head scissors. The crowd is booing her. Mickey climbs to the top rope. The only thing I can think of is that Trish had been champion for a long time, so I think maybe people were starting to think she was getting they were just getting a little tired of it. Like she's the female John Cena, so I think maybe I feel that. But also, I feel like it's just like they really like the horny one. Yeah, that also they're like kiss her again, right? Um, Trish attempts a hurricane rana, but Mickey shoves her off, and she's just laughing maniacally. Uh, she pins her very suggestively, like she like gets on top of her. Uh, Trish then attempts a stratisfaction, but Mickey blocks it by grabbing her crotch and slams her down. And this is the part that is just fucking, what the hell? Yeah, I figured this was the part you were talking about. But what that's, the absolute This is where they, they cut something out. Do you notice, right after that happens, they immediately cut to the crowd. Yeah, that's yeah. because in the original airing, the live airing of this, Mickey grabs her hands, puts them in a V shape, and licks her hand. Oh my god! So, and Vince hated that. He chewed her out, and according to her, has never forgiven her for it. For the grab itself, or for the lick? For the lick, the grab was planned. The lick was her own thing. And he was really now. Now, when you say the lick, she just did like the the vagina licking pantomime with her with her own hand, with like her hands in a V shape. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say that doing the vagina lick pantomime is less bad than literally grabbing a woman's vagina. Yeah, they allowed that to be in the show, but the lick they took out. Well, we don't want to go too far with this. There are children watching. We want them to know that it's okay to grab a person's private parts, but not to simulate oral sex. Right. 
I, I just, I mean, I'm not going to say I don't get that. I kind of do get where what gross vantage point that's coming from. Because, I mean, when I say I get it, I mean, I understand Vince's fucked up worldview, not that I agree with it. But yeah, no, that's just it, super I, fucked up I, like, to me. I this get was in a and of itself spot. why you would think that that's not appropriate, but like, considering everything that's already come before it, like, why is that your, why is that your going too far? Right, because like, women can't really be lesbians, because then, then we've gone too far. Um, but they can, like, pretend to be lesbians, and it's hot, and we like it. And that's just, you know, fucked up way, a uh, very, very, uh, very mid-2000s way of looking at things. This leads to the end of the match, which almost, like, it was, like, a weird ending, because Trish just punches Mickey, and then she, like, kicks her in the head, and then, and then pins her. It was, like, very, like, straight, like, a, just the out-of-nowhere kind of ending, which I think might have been kind of botched. Yeah, it did look, it looked a little look, botched. I thought the wrestling was pretty good. I, in a, in a weird way, think that the story accomplished what it was trying to accomplish. And in that time frame, I understand what they're going for. So I'm going to give it three out of five. I mean, again, I, I feel like rating these matches... Yeah, because we write holistically, right? We look at everything that went into the match, the story, the... Yeah. We look at a lot of things outside of the wrestler's control. I just want to make that pretty clear, that the, these women are fantastic athletes, and they're treated like shit. So, like, wrestling was very good. Um, and I don't making want you her to... grab her vagina very bad. I don't want you to, this match to take away your... Or to do anything to your opinion of Mickey James, because I think Mickey James is a very successful wrestler, and then... Later in this show, they do like a montage of all the greatest women's wrestlers, and Mickey James is in there. Yeah, absolutely, and I just think that a lot of this is coming from Vince, um, or or shitty writers. Definitely shitty writers. Writers. <laughs> Please edit. <laughs> nope. No. <laughs> okay, so here's where we start getting some improvement. Uh, we're gonna, I'm jumping forward eight years into the future because after this, man, they really started going on. They okay, they had some good women's wrestlers, Victoria, Beth Phoenix, come along, but for the most part, it's all eye candy and sexiness. They're still called divas. They even have the Divas Championship, which was the ugliest belt since John Cena's spinner. It had fucking wings <laughs> on it, and it was pink. And it said divas on it because get it, women pink. That's the women right. color, and that is it's still in 2014. That's the belt we're working with. Um, yeah, because at the beginning, well, the the so this match is at NXT Takeover 2014. NXT is like the WWE's um, developmental territory. Um, I, I don't know if you went back and saw Paige come out, who was the Divas champion. Yeah, I did. I did. So Paige started in NXT and made her way up to the main roster. Uh, but because since she left, now the NXT Women's Championship is vacant. So they have like a tournament to determine who's going to be the women's champion for NXT. And that's where we get Charlotte and Natalia. And Natalia actually started off on the main roster, but then went back to development because... Man, they stuck her with a terrible gimmick. 
Here's the gimmick they gave to Natalia, the niece of Brett the Hitman Hart, one of the greatest wrestlers who's ever lived. They gave Natalia this gimmick. Farts. I'm sorry, what? Her gimmick was she had a lot of gas and she'd fart all the time. I, I this is just baffling. I So she would fart and her wrestlers me. and her opponents would be like, Ew, stinky, and she'd pin them to get the win because they'd be distracted by fart. I'm bringing a whole new light to the term dirty pin. <laughs> Thanks, folks. I uh, hope you enjoyed that one. So I'm glad that she was able to rebound from fart gimmick. Yeah, fart gimmick sounds just very, very bad. I'm glad I did not see that. I'm thank you. The thing is, Peyton, is that you've spared me. You have, you have really in this match set up here. You've hurt me in some ways that I needed to be hurt, but you've spared me from the most egregious of the hurt. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted us to watch some good wrestling because I had no desire to watch Fart Girl and fucking, what was one of those other weird gimmicks I named? Uh, mud wrestling, brawl and panty matches, pillow fights, yeah. etc. So this is a really cool match because we have two wrestlers who are a part of these legendary families. We have Charlotte, who is Ric Flair's daughter and Natalia, who, as I mentioned, is Bret Hart's niece, uh, Jim Neidhart's daughter, part of the huge Hart family tree there. Um, this is right before we're in the women's revolution. We're not quite there yet, but this is like the early, you know, makings and rumblings of it. Um, and we start off with some really good chain wrestling, each taking after their families, both ring technicians. The crowd is split. They're cheering for both. Um, so it's nice to see this big change. Yeah, I love this, like, legacy rivalry going on here with Ric Flair and Bret Hart, you know, and, and their, their sort of prodigy. Yeah. And they're both at uh, ringside, are... I, should, I should mention. Yeah, yeah. And it was just it was just really cool. It was a really cool setup for what was I thought a really good match. Yeah, they they start using uh their moves. Charlotte puts Natalia in the figure four leg lock. Uh Natalia puts uh Charlotte in the sharpshooter. Um Charlotte is able to roll out of that sharpshooter, lock in the figure four, and they're both just kind of like slapping at each other as they're in the move. Natalia's able to reverse the pressure. Um and they did this really cool thing where Charlotte slides out of the ring, but Natalia still has the hold locked in. So they're like leaning up against the ring apron, still in the hold. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was that was actually really really awesome. The ref breaks that hold up, and Charlotte kicks Natalia into the steel steps. Ric Flair and Bret Hart are both cheering them on. Uh, a really cool moment is in the ring. Charlotte lets out a big woo. And looks right at Bret Hart and then puts Natalia into the sharpshooter. Um, yeah, no, that was that was very... Um, well, you know, at a certain point, Natalia woos as well as sort of a taunt. I thought that was fun, that she was, she was stealing the flair woo. You stole my woo. Once you, you <laughs> extract the woo from the Ric Flair, he loses all of his power. <laughs> Um, Natalia rolls through and puts Charlotte 
or tries to put her into a Charlotte, but Charlotte uh, rolls out of it and hits the bow down to the queen, this like flipping front face buster that she later renames to the uh, fucking something. I can't remember. <laughs> she, she rena- <laughs> oh, natural selection. That's what she calls it. Um, and then after the match, they both celebrate. They, they you know, with each other. Uh, Ric Flair and Bret Hart come into the ring. They shake hands. Uh, Ric Flair's obviously visibly emotional seeing his daughter, you know, follow in his footsteps. I thought it was a great match. Uh, yeah, I want to talk about a couple of things here if we have time to really unpack this. Absolutely. I want us to look at this match here, which is the beginning of um, some of the more progressive stuff we're going to see. That it just sees a night and day difference. Between this and what was happening in 2006. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, there's no like, sex. Like, we're not, like, there's no s- sexual storyline. They're not, like, se- saying, ew, you've got a stinky vagina. Like, there's no hair pulling. There's no, like, pedantic slaps. It's all straight up wrestling. And I, can I talk about costuming for a second? Yeah, go for it. Because I think that there is, I, I think that is where, you know, you really can look to see the changes in attitude towards these women. Because if you look at Mickey's costume from 2006, yeah, that is very bad. And it is a very sexualized costume. Now you jump forward to 2014 and you have these cool, badass looking Costumes that they're wearing, and, like, it, in the essence, you know, it's still, like, a bikini-type costume, right? Like, it still sort of shows the same things, but it shows it differently, because Mickey's old costume was there as, like, hey, g- hey, g- hey, boys, look at these titties, whereas now <laughs> it's more of an athletic wear-type situation. And so I just think that... The reason that I'm saying this is because I'm sure that there's a nerd out there somewhere that's like, well, you can see all the same stuff. And it's like, it's the presentation that matters. You know what I mean? It's about how you're presenting these women, and they're presented as athletes in 2014 and not as eye candy. Yeah, everything about it from the way they are presented. Uh, I, I want to mention something, the music. They they both come out to remixes of their, of their like, Charlotte comes out to a remix of Ric Flair's music. Natalia comes out to a remix of Bret Hart's music. You know, a lot of the women's music, like like Trish's music, is like it's very like ha 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 ha, yeah, yeah. That's a weird yeah. sound I just made. Yeah, it starts you with that giggle. I mean. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. It absolutely starts with that weird giggle. Uh, and yeah, and um, also just the match length. This match itself is probably longer than double the length of any match we've talked about so far in the show. Yeah, and they they really let them show off. And uh, match placement, too, because this is the second-to-last match on the show. Um, A lot of times they would do that with women's matches. They'd put it right before the main event, but more as like a real quick, like, okay, here's a breather before we go into the real shit. And I want to talk about the way that the crowd pops for this as well. Because we have a very different kind of support from the crowd than what we got in 2006. Because 
you know, we have covered, uh, we haven't covered any here, but we have covered on previous shows matches where the crowd chanted whenever they saw a woman at ringside or whatever, they would chant, show your puppies, which was fucking miserable, fucking egregious and terrible. Here, when they're seeing these two women in the ring, they're chanting, this is awesome. And so the change has not only happened from the top down, you know, it, it is coming from the crowd as well, I think. That's a good point. Um, and there's some excellent chants I want to talk about in the matches to come. For sure. But that was just, just the whole mood shift. It's it's night and day. Um, uh, another thing is ma- women's matches would often were always the first ones to get cut or the first ones to get shortened. I, a big example I want to tell you about is at WrestleMania 25, which I believe was in 2009. And the show was going over, so they had what they were going to call the, like, women's battle royal, like, 25 years of, of women, and they had all these, like, big-name wrestlers come back, like Trish Stratus came back, and Lita, and Sonny, and all these women were involved in this big WrestleMania battle royal. And I get it. You can't really have, you know, 25 women come out and like have these full entrances but you could do some something in between you know 25 women having a complete entrance and having them walk out in the middle of a kid rock concert which is what happened at wrestlemania 25 that was their way of shortening the the show was they had them instead of having actual entrances they just walked out while kid rock was performing we couldn't just cut the Kid Rock concert? Well, of course not. And I want to look up and see <laughs> how long the match was. Okay. The match, this battle royal, this 25-woman battle royal, was 7 minutes and 25 seconds. It was the second shortest match on the show. What the fuck? And they were that they is... were being eliminated so fast that the announcers could like couldn't even talk about them. They would be like, "Oh, Sunny was just eliminated. Remember her?" Like, by the what time the we fuck, realized man? who was in the match, they were already out of the match. Also, let me mention: guess who won it? San who? Santina Morella, who is Santino Morella, a man in drag. Oh my fucking god! That is awful. That is. Ugh. Thank you for not putting that on the list. It would have killed me. Yeah. But why would you even, you know, why why even have the 25-woman match if you're not going to do it right? If a woman's not going to win. <laughs> fuck with that. Right, right. Um, Let's move on to what is my favorite match on this show. Uh, yes, this match is fucking and great. Probably, this was my favorite. And probably well. one of the best matches we've covered. And probably the best women's match I've ever seen. I really know I'm talking it up a lot before we've even started it, but it is good. No, it's fucking awesome. We're NXT I agree. TakeOver Respect 2015. This is, we are in the women's revolution at this point. They even talk about it a lot before the match. Um, and if you notice, title belt has now officially changed. Yes, it looks a lot better. <laughs> Uh, and it's an Iron Man match for the NXT Women's Championship. It's the first ever women's Iron Man match, and it's the main event of this NXT show. Um, so they're really putting a lot on the line for this. 
It's uh, Sasha Banks versus Bailey. Sasha Banks is the is the heel here playing this, uh, and, and they're they're doing gimmicks that aren't based on like they're not. They're gimmicks that like are just they're not based on them being women really. They're gimmicks that right. could be male gimmicks because Sasha Banks is just like this like oh I'm real popular and cool, whereas Bailey is like this friendly. I'm a hugger kind of person. No, and she has this great slogan, I think, a play on John Cena's thug life, which is hug life. Yes, and she also that's what... called herself the doctor of hugonomics. <laughs> that's one thing that we see a lot from women's wrestling that I think is cool is that, like, they do a lot of homages to to some of the, I guess, you know, maybe even their favorite stuff. I don't really know. If they're if they're choosing these or not, but we see a lot of throwbacks to some sort of classic wrestling moments and stuff, and I, I just thought that was really really awesome. Well, yeah, and we're getting the a lot way of that they're able to women. use that. Uh, and and Bailey s- says John Cena is one of her big influences uh, in wrestling. Uh, I, I was reading about her a little bit because um, she's younger; uh, she's only twenty nine years old. She, so she was talking about, you know, some of her big influences, and, you know, whereas when I was watching it, a lot of people's influences were like Hulk Hogan and, you know, Randy Savage. Bailey's, she says, she's influenced by John Cena and Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero and people like that. So it's yeah. nice to see that progression. And after seeing, you know, some of, again, I, I, how many times this episode am I going to say the word egregious? You can keep count. After seeing the egregious shit that we saw earlier, it was genuinely touching to me. I was genuinely moved when Bailey comes out in a superhero cape and comes up and hugs a little girl that's standing there at the at the front of the, the entrance gate. And I was just like, man, this has really fucking evolved. And now you can have girls watch this and have role models that don't fucking suck. Yeah, and that's just really cool to me. It's really great. I'm glad you pointed that out. That's a it's a really good point. Um, so we've got an Iron Man match, 30 minutes. Um, there's uh, the match is set for 30 minutes, and however many falls you get within that 30 minutes, the winner is the person with the most falls. Uh, you know, again, another match that's always been like reserved for men. You know, letting two women wrestle for 30 minutes—that's just unheard of before this. Yeah, and, like, boy, do they make use of that full time. Oh, for sure. Uh, can I just say, you know, I, like I was talking about earlier in the last match with the crowd. Here we have the crowd right before the match starts chanting, Women's Wrestling, and, and this was my favorite chant, You Deserve It! Yes. Because it was, like, the first, I mean, is this the first women's main event? I can't say with certainty, um... But I, it may very well be. Uh, I'm, I'm not positive, though. And it was just fucking awesome to see the supportive nature of the crowd and see how great they were being. Yeah. Um, and the, cr- the crowd, even though Sasha's the heel, the crowd is, again, split between the two of them. Um, I, like, I like the story that's being told here. They really do an innovative job of doing an Iron Man match because an Iron Man match can be boring. You know, oh yes, it can very much so. It so it's it's 
tough ground. They mentioned this is only the 10th Iron Man match they've ever had. And the first one was between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart at WrestleMania 12. Uh, so they've only had 10 Iron Man matches in like almost 20 years. So yeah, that goes to it, show that this, this is not like just a match they're going to throw around all willy-nilly. Right. This is a format that, if done right, makes an amazing match, and if done wrong, is a fucking snooze fest. Mm-hmm. But I think this was because done really well. Filling 30 minutes of time is hard to do and make it interesting. And also to make, like, it, even, make it convincing that like you can get beat, but you still have to keep going. Right. But even with our John Cena episode, you know, when we got to John Cena and The Rock in that, like, hour-long match, man, it was good, but, like, I was getting bored. <laughs> I was getting tired. I was not bored at a single moment of this match. No. Uh, the, the style is really fast-paced. I like how they start it when they both keep trying to get, like, pinfalls really early, trying to get the win right out of the gate. Right. Um, I like the... There's, like, six pinfall attempts in, like, a minute, maybe? Yeah, I really like the story there. Uh, I also like when uh, Bailey knocks Sasha down and, and grabs her by the hand and pulls her to her feet and tries to give her a hug, but Sasha slams her down to the mat. Um, Which was just fantastic. Sasha's doing such good heel work here. Oh, definitely. Um, and she gets her first, win- her first pinfall by cheating... Uh, when the the she's the referee's backed up into the corner, so he can't really see, and she pokes Bailey in the eyes and rolls her up, and uh, and gets the win. So we're at one and zero. Um, but Bailey comes back after not too long, hitting a Bailey belly uh, for the three count. Um, so we're and, at one to one. Man, I, can I talk for just a second about Bailey's sick-ass kicks when she's on the outside of the ring? Yes. Uh, one of her, like, I guess... I, I, I have never seen her outside of this match, which is a fault of mine. Um, but she has this move where when she's on the outside of the ring, she just comes in. Uh, how would you describe this, Peyton? I'm Are not you talking about, at, like, when so Sasha's outside of the ring... And she like slides through the ropes. And yeah, drop kicks the them. fucking slide. So like a kick. sliding drop kick is what I would say. Yeah, under the the bottom rope, rope yeah. and like in the corner of the ring, and it's just really fucking cool. And she does it over and over. And they do a cool thing where they like play with your expectations of it. And I don't know if I'm getting a little bit ahead of us here. I think I am. But she hits it so many times that when she goes for it again, and Sasha sees it and is able to reverse it. It's a really surprising moment yeah. because they've set you up to expect it, and it's it's really cool. Um, Sasha is uh, able to uh, throw Bailey into the steps, uh, and she's kind of taunting the the Bailey fans at ringside. She's really doing a good some some great heel work here. Oh my god, is this where she does the she steals the thing from the kid? Well, not quite. Before she does that, she she takes her down to the front of the entrance and slams her into, like, the the, the video wall, and, and it starts, like, oh, yeah. and it that goes out. Really fucking cool. That was really cool. Um, and then that's when she comes back and steals the headband from the little girl. Yeah, so, you know, clearly, I think the little girl is supposed to be, they say it's Bailey's biggest fan, mm-hmm. so I guess that she has some sort of story importance with Bailey. 
but I love this moment because the little girl sells this shit so well. Yeah. When Sasha Banks just snatches the snatches her little headband off and the girl starts sobbing and I will say her dad that has her picked up over his shoulder, he's fucking cheesing like a motherfucker. He is no selling this. He's like, my daughter's a star. But that girl is really fucking great actress right there. Because she looks visibly just so upset. The, she's even, like, put, putting tears out. The, ki- the kids? And you know she's a plant. She knew it was coming, but, like, damn, it was just very... I thought that was a really fun moment. The kids are always the best actors, like Dominic. Dominic was so fucking good, dude. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, so Bailey actually gets counted out here. So Sasha's now up two to Bailey's one. Um, eventually, Bailey makes it back into the ring. Sasha puts her in a Boston crab and is like stomping on her hand to prevent her from getting to the ropes. Uh, eventually, she's able to. Um, and Sasha tries for another Boston crap, but this time Bailey rolls her up for a three count, so now we're tied at two apiece. And here's where things really start picking up. They get they Sasha puts or Bailey puts Sasha in the tree of woe, which is where they have them tied up upside down in the corner. She gets like a step up elbow drop for a near, a near fall. Sasha does the same thing, puts Bailey in the tree of woe, and uh hits her with double knees. Um Puts her back in it and goes for a spear, but Bailey moves out of the way, and Sasha goes shoulder first into the tur- turnbuckle. And this is where the crowd has a really fun chant. They say th- they do yes. that this is awesome again, but they also say better than Raw. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that one. It was it kind of died out pretty quick, but they were chanting better than Raw. Sasha attempts a suicide dive. But Bailey catches her in midair and hits a Bailey belly onto the floor. The crowd is chanting, "Holy shit!" I do kind of like this point in the match because if you look at it, we're tied two to two, but we really haven't had like, you know, none of the wins have come from like these big, huge moves. They've come from like a roll up or the thumb to the eye, the count out. And so at this point, they're hitting big moves, but they're still kicking out, which I think is a really good use of because usually what happens in an Iron Man match is they wrestle for a while, a guy hits his finisher, and he gets the three count. Then the other guy right. hits his finisher and gets a three count. But here, we're really making them look like equals, and at this point, even though they're both tied two apiece, and nobody's getting a win here. Yeah, and I think from like a story perspective, you're absolutely right, because when you get the, because the countouts that have happened, like you said, they happen kind of from not not from the big spots. They happen because of being counted out outside the the ring and the eyes. The, the finger to the eyes, sorry, I can't talk even though I'm podcasting, but that is just like, you know, you might sneak one in on me, but when you really want it, when you really need it, and you bring out your big guns, I'm fighting back just as hard, and that, to me, the way that they kick out of those... It makes the it plays up the desperation, yeah. I think, There's because a- it's like I'm trying my hardest, my biggest fucking move, I'm bringing out my biggest guns against you, and I can't get a hit in, and that's really to me just very uh, a very climatic fight. There's a really cool spot that I really liked where uh, Bailey does a does a Bailey belly from the top rope. And she rolls her up, but the way she rolls her up makes her own foot get on the rope, and so it breaks the hold. 
Yeah. It was cool. Something yeah. I've never really seen before. Um, it, Bailey goes for an inverted hurricane run on the top rope, but Sasha lands on her feet and hits Bailey with her own Bailey belly, but only gets two. And then Sasha gets Bailey in a in a in a bank statement in a cross face with only two minutes left, and they're tied at two apiece. So, like, I'm really, like, at this point, like, my heart is racing, which is, like, a feeling I have not felt in wrestling in a long time. Yeah, no, I agree. I was I was on the edge of my seat. I mean, it's like a, it's like a true sport, like when, like, like in a basketball game, when they're tied up and they're about to go to overtime and the clock's running out. Like, that's what this feels like. Absolutely. It's 40 seconds left. Uh, eventually, Bailey's able to roll through and locks her in an, like an arm bar, and Sasha taps out with three seconds left and gives Bailey the three to two win. Man, this was just a fucking incredible match. And oh, so, one thing I liked about the ending is that it was like not clear right away that she tapped, so it ends with it being two two, and it's like, yo, what the fuck? But then it quickly corrects to the thing and you're like oh shit she won yeah i don't know i just thought that was that was a really cool moment for me because it was there was this uncertainty of like oh are we about to go into overtime what's going to happen um and then you find out bailey was able to pull out the yeah and unfortunately stuff like that doesn't happen in wrestling a lot so that they were able to do this and really sell that desperation in that last minute win was awesome yeah i really love this match so innovative this is the crowd was so and hot. You know, you know my preferences. I've made them clear on this show. I like furniture. I like gimmicks. I I, I like some of the cheesier, dumber shit. I'm I'm not a very tasteful person in that regard. <laughs> but that said, here when we have almost no gimmicks, we have just some straight up wrestling. I was attentive the whole time. I was I was hanging on every bit of it. And that just, to me, speaks to the the volume of talent that both of these women have. Yeah. It was impressive. I gave it a perfect five out of five. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, so we're going to move on. Still in the—this was one I added at the last minute because I was reading about it in a comic book I read called the— uh, like the comic book history of professional wrestling, the one true sport. It's really good. You should check it out. I'm not being sponsored, but I'm just saying it's it's a good book. Hey, always give a shout out to the sources, my man. Um, but it was talking about the history of wrestling, and it was talking about this match, which was the first ever, both the first ever women's Hell in a Cell match and the first ever women's main event of a WWE show. Uh, not an NXT show, but an actual WWE pay-per-view event this is the first time that's ever happened so really big history making match right here yeah that's crazy and like the hell in a cell and this is where um we'll, we'll get into it in a second but they really do pay some proper homage here and i i like it for sure uh because we even start out with the pre-match promo is mick foley you know announcing the match we have this montage of him going through the cell and everything and when they're about to sign the contract, he's like, hey, make sure you know what you're getting into. That cell has no soul. <laughs> it's so fucking good. He's like, you're not just b battling each other. You're also fighting that cell. 
<laughs> so this is Hell in a Cell 2016, Charlotte versus Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks is the champion. Uh, this is for the Raw Women's Championship. So they've, they even now have two women's, actually, if you count the NXT women's title, they have three women's titles in WWE right now. One for Raw, one for SmackDown, one for NXT. So that's, you know, pretty impressive. Because before it was like, if you were a woman on SmackDown, you didn't have a title <laughs> to wrestle for. Right, right. I And I think that is one thing that, like you were saying, with the multiple titles, that just shows, goes, with the multiple titles, that goes to show the expansion of this part of wrestling. Yeah. Uh, and, and it and it shows that they have a big enough roster to be able to do that. They're actually paying attention to women's wrestlers. Absolutely. And when you start treating women's wrestlers with actual respect, it's amazing how much talent you can pull into the company. Exactly. Uh, so the it's kind of turned on its head now because Charlotte is the heel and Sasha Banks is the face. Charlotte's playing a great heel here. She comes out. Oh, man, she really is. She comes out on a throne being carried out by a bunch <laughs> of dudes. Uh, Michael Cole says something pretty interesting. He says Charlotte has never lost at a pay-per-view and she's never lost a title match at this point, which is – that is incredible. Yeah, so is her, uh, the thing she wears out to ringside, I know it's supposed to be very regal, but it also, I mean, it looks like it is paying a little bit of uh, homage to her father, Ric Flair. Oh yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, Sasha, you know, not to be, not one to be outdone, she comes out in a Cadillac, uh, and she's in her hometown tonight. Um... We start, and I think this may be where you're talking about paying homage, we have like a very similar start, kind of like we do for the Mick Foley Hell in a Cell match, because the match starts outside the outside the cell, really. Um, right. Charlotte knocks her down immediately, and she rolls out under the cell before the cell can even come all the way down. Um, tosses her, uh, Char- Sasha tosses Charlotte over the guardrail. They start fighting in the crowd. They come back over. And uh, Sasha starts climbing, or Charlotte starts climbing the cell. Sasha starts following her up there, kind of brawling up there, slamming each other's heads into the cell. Uh, Sasha, or Charlotte jumps down, grabs Sasha, and power bombs her through the announce table. She's really selling the injury here. Uh, apparently she's had some back issues. So, yeah, they're really selling that. The refs start checking on her while Charlotte's taunting and everything. You know, right. I know it's and so, nowhere near a Mick Foley kind of bump, but, you know, for women who aren't taking bumps, aren't using weapons, really, this is, you know, and have never been in a Hell in a Cell, this is, you know, something kind of cool. Well, and my understanding is that those kind of Mick Foley bumps don't happen in the company very much anymore. No. They're, they're not something that's big, so, like, you're seeing a, a modern equivalent of what is a Mick Foley bump. Uh, going on with these women. I think that you would be hard-pressed to find male wrestlers that are doing that kind of stunt work either. For sure. So, And I, I wanted to say on the subject of this injury that she's selling, where Charlotte's like walking around taunting her. This goes on for a minute, but I think that it is necessary because in an era where you can't show blood, right? You need some other way to show damage on your wrestler. To be like, oh, this person is at a severe disadvantage. They've been hurt really bad. And I think the way that they do that here with Sasha Banks and watching her stumble around and, and fall and all of that, 
and taking their time with it builds that expectation for the crowd of like, oh, this person is actually really injured. That used to be really easy to do when you can just just get your face covered in blood, you know? Yeah, and and Charlotte does plenty of good work here, too, because she's, like, taunting her. She's saying, give me my title. Um, yeah, when she gets up in the ring and is like, give me, someone bring me my title. I was like, okay, that is, that's very good. Uh, the EMTs come out, they put Charlotte on, a, or put Sasha on a stretcher with a neck brace. They start carrying her out, and just as they're about to announce Charlotte as the new champion, Sasha comes back in and starts fighting her. The match can begin. Here's the thing about this match. I was a little bit disappointed. This match started off with a bang, and then it was just kind of slow the whole time. I agree because I feel like the cell was not fully utilized. You know, that's one of my one of my big things with a hell in a cell is that you got to use the cell. And it, I mean, the, don't get me wrong, there were a couple of spots where like people get thrown into the cell or whatever, but Usually, the the format of a Hell in a Cell is like, we start outside the cell, go in the cell, get back outside the cell, someone gets on top of the cell, and we just have a lot of fun with the cell itself. Yeah, and, um, and Hell in a Cell matches are hard to do because the big Mick Foley spot can never really be repeated, and so they're never going to go to that crazy level. Um, absolutely. But it was just the match itself was slow. If this was a regular match, I would have thought it was too slow. So I agree. It was yeah, I was a little bit disappointed in that. Oh, but I will say on the subject of the sort of paying homage, I think that when Sasha gets up off the stretcher, when Sasha gets up off the stretcher and goes back into the cell, and Charlotte's like banging on the cell trying to get out, that is just like uh, Bret Hart or not Bret Hart. I'm sorry, Shawn Michaels with the Undertaker. Yeah, and I thought that was really cool. No, that is cool. There's a lot of stuff in there. And I, I think they kind of try to do that with everyone, but I, I like the way this was done. I like, I really love the way the women kind of pay homage to the past. Maybe that's something that happens throughout all of wrestling, uh, even in the men's wrestling nowadays, but I, I'm seeing it a lot in, in all three of these of these matches. Well, and I think that it has something to do with you know, you don't really have a past that you can look back on favorably as women wrestler, women's wrestlers. Yeah. You know, there it, the past is exploitation and bullshit. So you take things that you like and then you make them your own. And you're creating your canon. And to me, you know, when they're doing those moments like that and they're paying this homage, what they're really saying is like, this is that moment. You know, this is that historic wrestling moment. But for us this time, like this is our, we're creating that. We're creating our history right now. And I think that that is just really, really awesome. Yeah. Man, you're, you're on it. You're, you're good at this. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I love to speak for women. It's one of my favorite things to do. That was, that was sarcasm. Just like a man. We we understand that we are two men doing a podcast about women's wrestling today, and we're sorry that we don't have more representation. We just don't know that many people. <laughs> or women. Yeah, I wasn't going to put it that way. Or women, or people that like wrestling. Or more specifically, women who like wrestling. Yeah, we're the only two people we know that like wrestling. <laughs> um, a really, another really cool moment is when... Um, is when a Charlotte does a monkey flip onto Sasha into the cell, and they show a replay. It shows her land right on her head. 
Uh, I will say, like the women, they can they do a lot of brutal spots. Yeah, like, just yeah, in, they really do in their regular matches. Uh, people landing on their heads and all kinds of shit. Um, you know, though, I'll say there was a fair amount of furniture in this match. Yeah, you did get your furniture. We got a chair. Um, we got two tables. Uh, Charlotte's really working on Sasha's back again. Um, they're both like trying to slam each other into the chair, and they keep blocking it. Eventually, that chair does come into play when Sasha gets a drop toehold on a Charlotte, sending her face first into the seat. But later she charges, and Charlotte catches her and slams her back first into the into the seat again. Uh, yeah, and I thought that was a pretty creative use. Yeah, when you can't use a chair shot to the head, but you can you can still utilize a steel chair. Because you, you think about it, like that's all that they really did in the Attitude Era was hit each other in the head. So it's like, oh, how can we still use chairs but not hit each other in the head? Right, right. So you got to be kind of creative. And I like creative usage of the furniture. That's one thing that, like, I really hate when a weapon or something is brought out and then it's used in a subpar fashion, and you just do the thing I expected you to do with it. <laughs> We've got because then it feels less special. Yeah, we do get a pretty good use of the cell here when Sasha leaps at Charlotte, but she just lands on the cell and then and then springs back off with a double knee. Um, she's just, she's slamming her into the cell wall, hitting the double knees on, against the cell. Back in the ring, she, uh, she plays some more homage, this time to Eddie Guerrero, hitting three vertical suplexes and following up with a frog splash. Um, we get a table in the ring now, uh, or, excuse me, we get a table in the match. She sets it up at ringside. Charlotte attempts a superplex, but Sasha kicks her off, and she goes back kind of through the table. It was more like she just landed on it and the legs broke off, but... That is one thing I'll say, is that it is harder, I think, in women's wrestling for them to utilize tables, or, like... And, and you know, I think that's the reason we don't get anyone thrown out of the cell, is because, like... These women are not as heavy as usually the dudes that we're seeing. It's harder to break a table when you don't have the the weight there. Yeah. And it's harder to bust out of a cell when you don't have the weight there. So I think that is part of it. And I don't think that you can't break a table. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the table could not be rigged to break. But I think that the WWE likes the idea of, like, big man break table. <laughs> big man break cell. <laughs> like, and they don't want to shatter that illusion, which, I don't know. I make of that what you will. I might be completely off base there. Well, we do get to break a table a little bit later. Uh, oh, we do. We do. Which is, which is nice. Uh, and and I, the cool moment is when Sasha jumps on top of the table and jumps off of it. Or, I'm sorry, I keep... I keep getting these two women confused. Because all women look alike. Ugh. I don't even think that's a thing. I don't know. <laughs> they just have two sh names. <laughs> um, but Charlotte catches Sasha and hits a backbreaker and a big boot, and she locks in the figure eight, which is a cool move, because it's a figure four except for up. Yeah, yeah. She just like, uh, I, like I like the figure. Up. Um, but Sasha grabs the chair and hits Charlotte 
with it. And, uh, and then, oh, <laughs> sorry. And then what, what happens next? Charlotte puts Sasha on the table, tries for a moonsault, but Sasha attacks her. Uh, Sasha picks Charlotte up for a power bomb, but her back gives out. Um, and then Charlotte throws Sasha into the table two times and then hits the natural selection for the win. The ending kind of was like, oh, like, it, yeah, I have a feeling that that table that she propped up at ringside was supposed to break. Yeah, I, I think that's I why she threw was, her at it I twice. I guess I was wrong. It didn't break. So neither table no, it truly didn't. broke. Yeah, she bounced off of it. All in all, I was I was overall disappointed in this match. Really, uh, for this big historical moment, it really was very, very slow. Um, yeah, I mean, but that said, there are exactly two Hell in a Cells that I truly enjoy. And so, I feel like a Hell in a Cell is a hard match hard match to do. It's hard to follow, for sure. Um, I see what they were going for. Um, the whole Mick Foley thing, I felt a little bit uh, unoriginal, especially considering, like, when they just showed Mick Foley being thrown off a Hell in a Cell and Sasha sells the same move. Or the same thing, but it was a much on a much smaller scale. I don't know. I just I wasn't a big fan of this match overall. Yeah, I I agree. I I wasn't a huge fan of it either. I mean, I thought it was good. I thought it was it was fine. It was better than some of the things we've seen. But you're right. It was it was slow at times, and it sort of meandered inside of the cell. Yeah, uh, and it didn't make proper usage. I don't think of the environment. Yeah, I only gave it a two and a half, honestly. Um, fair, uh, I would say. But I mean, I I still appreciate you know the fact that WWE is willing to do this, willing to have women on their main event and put them on all these different match types. We've done TLC with women, we've done ladders with women, tables with women, we've had Evolution, which is an entire women's pay per view. And now I'm kind of interested to watch. Maybe we'll do that someday. Yeah, that seems like it would be really a really good thing to do. But, you know, I have to say, in regards to this match, uh, I would like to see another Women's Hell in a Cell because I do think that this, you know, if we're looking at, like, mirroring things here, I think that this is very much that, like, first Hell in a Cell that we've watched. It's very much The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Hell in a Cell, where, like, nothing, some crazy shit happens, but nothing too nuts. And so I know that we can't get that crazy with it anymore because of just the era that we're in. But, like, damn, I would love to see the sequel, right? I would love to see the escalation. Yeah. There's, I'm sure, only more to come. Um, And so we're at the end of our match list here, but do you mind if we just talk about conceptually women's wrestling and just sort of where it is now and where it might go? Sure. Uh. So, you know, what is, what is something... I, I have a couple of ideas here. What's something you would like to see women's wrestling do next? Put me on the spot, man. Like, so, like, you mean like a match or something? Or just, like, for example, I want to see more cruiserweight-style wrestling in women's wrestling because I think it's ripe for it. Yeah. Like, I like the mat stuff a lot. I like the, the angle-style stuff, but I would love to see some more, like, Eddie Guerrero... 
and uh, Rey Mysterio style wrestling going on in women's wrestling because I think it's a it's a really good fertile ground for that for that style. Yeah, I really just want to see the landscape of women's wrestling just kind of mirror men's wrestling to be like you know they're just the same. Like right like to reach said, full parity, like you said, like we have cruiserweight women, uh, women's tag teams. You know, um, some companies have like a women's tag team championship. A have, has WWE women's wrestler like a fucking yeah, yeah. cane of women would be awesome. Do do you have they had a uh, women's like Money in the Bank yet? I I think they did. I think they did for the very first time uh, this year. Okay. And so, yeah, seeing those things come out is great. Another thing I would like to see is that, like, okay, so when it comes to dude wrestlers, we have guys all over the spectrum of of shape and size, right? We've got, you know, Bam Bam Bigelow, and we've got, like, Rey Mysterio. Very different dudes, so I would like to see like some more um, Bam Bam Bigelow and wrestling. Sam Sam Small Below. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, so that you know we can see more styles emerge from that because I feel like body type de- relates in sometimes almost directly to style. Yeah, uh, and so I, I like to see that so that we can get a little bit more variety there. What we have already is fantastic, but I just feel like there's there's only you know nowhere to go but up for women's wrestling is what I what I think. Yeah, I think so too. I'm excited to see what happens. And you know we say this every week. Every week we want you to follow along with the matches, but really go check out that Bailey Sasha Banks match if you can. It is yeah, awesome. It's crazy good. Ah. Uh, and and don't think that we're just saying that because, like, ooh, we're being progressive. Like, it's a fucking great match. It's one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life. I agree. In my very short wrestling life. <laughs> You're a wrestling but baby. It's very long wrestling life. I am a wrestling senior citizen. <laughs> well, that about does it for this edition of Turnbuckle Training. We want to encourage you to watch along with us. So uh, in two weeks, we'll be discussing cruiserweights. Uh, so we're kind of going from women, this one kind of like subset of wrestling to another. Cruiserweights are still are, you know, treated as like a sideshow. Uh, but they have some of the greatest matches, man. Um, so follow along, watch with us. We'll be posting the list of our matches as we do every week on Twitter at Turnbuckle Train. Uh, it's going to be a good one, I think. And we'll be watching on the WWE Network, but since Vince McMahon isn't signing our checks to promote their app, feel free to find it wherever you can, and trust us, we won't snitch. Keep up with us 24-7 on Twitter, as I said, at Turnbuckle Train. We need those reviews, baby. Uh, we if you're listening need to the show, Yeah, if you're listening to the show and you like it, please, please, please go review us on iTunes. Uh, you know, we have our other podcast, Feud Fight, has been esteemed, reviewed time and time again with five stars. And if you could do that for Turnbuckle Training, we sure would appreciate it. So if you guys could get out there and drop some reviews our way, we would really appreciate it. Yes, please do. All right. Thanks for listening. It's me, Austin! Woo!
they spell disaster for you and sacrifice. Oh, son of a bitch. I did it for the love.